0: The Cozy Robot Show
1: Hey Cozy Robots, I'm Mike McCarg.
0: I'm Victory Paul And
1: welcome to The Cozy Robot Show, which is a program about empathetic skepticism Learning to be in touch with our feelings and other people's feelings while at the same time Learning to think critically about media and relationships and information so much fun we're learning how to make a better world together you can see i'm here you can see victory's here you'll also notice grace is not here this week grace has the week off but wow i'm so excited we've told you that there's a whole team behind the behind the cozy robot show and i love that you get to know more and more people on that team and now oh my gosh amy's here with us amy come on camera amy's gonna guest co-host of the week this year amy hello (laughs) Uh, you don't know it, but Amy's name is, uh, well, you you probably know if you listen, in the credits every week. And so Amy helps this show happen uh, by, I don't know, so m- many making things. everything happen. <laughs> so many things. I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, this I love week, it.
1: Amy's uh, on, in front of the camera. So how are you feeling, Amy?
2: I'm doing okay. I am. I'm excited and nervous. Yeah. And I was trying to think of like. People combine sad and mad into smad, but I couldn't think of a good like I'm ner- excited. Like I couldn't think of a good way to be nervous <laughs> and excited in one word. X, <laughs> I couldn't think X- of it. Nervous. I'm excited. Nervous. I'm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Excited. <laughs> Ooh, I like I like
0: excited. are sad yeah. and excited, it would be sex sided, which is interesting.
1: <laughs> that's different.
2: That's a different that, show.
1: This is not that kind of show. Nope, that's our OnlyFans channel. You can go to OnlyFans.com slash cozy robots <laughs> to see the softer side of the show. Uh, well, that's not true at all. Do not go to that URL. I have no idea what will happen. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway. Uh, if if we seem laid back and comfortable having fun because that's what we do, all week every week. And uh, Amy, thanks so much for agreeing to do this. And just so happening to have a high quality studio microphone ready. To go.
0: <laughs> the hidden talents of Amy Hill. Oh, that I did not know how to use <laughs> until today. You did until today. no. We Amy invited her. her to be on the show, and she literally just appeared into. <laughs> a camera frame, a microphone that she had ready to go.
1: It was something like this.
0: (laughs) We we were all like, what?
1: Oh, for those of you listening later on Apple Podcasts, I slid a microphone into her. (laughs) That's
0: what she did. So, what are we talking about today? Mike, do you know?
1: Uh, Well, I wrote the show notes since Grace wasn't here. (laughs) So, we're talking about success. We are. But By the way, if there's any typos in the show notes, that's always your dead giveaway that I was the one who wrote them. (laughs) If you're like, what did did Mike write? Well, if there's typos, it was me. So uh, I said we're talking about success and what it means and how to relate to it, I think, is what I put in the notes. But uh, as you all know, I don't look at the show outline as the program goes. So if there's anything (laughs) more insightful for there, uh, but it exists. um, Yeah. Yeah. Is there like a...
0: Well, Grace we has left have us... We our We do. Grace has left us a few talking points. Um, and she wants to know how do each of us define success? Which, Ooh. that's like a big question. Um, do you guys have an easy answer for that? Because I, I don't. A really
1: good answer. Go, Mike, go. But, I mean, that's really good. Just... Some, uh, Okay, I'll, do, I'll go. Um 2020 was terrible for everybody.
2: Mm.
1: Just in the whole world. I guess maybe some trillionaires had a pretty good year fiscally. But other than that, 2020 was terrible for everyone. And even if there were good things, there was this there's this heavy heavy cloud hanging everything. So, you know, in 2020, um, I in the first part of 2020, it was my expectation that most of my income for 2020 would come from ticket sales and mm. uh, doing mm. speaking events. And then suddenly I could do none of them. And we have really high health care costs because of, uh, you know, various reasons in my family, physical and mental health related. And so I had high healthcare expenses, high cost of living, living in Los Angeles and no income. And I got really, really, really down because I felt like I was failing my family because I couldn't like figure out how to sustainably financially care for them, and that's how I defined success. I realized last year that how I defined success was the ability to pr- provide materially for my family. That no matter what else I did, like my public health work, and uh, or excuse me, my public my public work that focuses on mental health and total health and science education, all that stuff is important, but I guess less important to me than caring for my family. Mm. And, uh, you know, before that, I would say like to be a success would be like to be a New York Times bestselling author. That was a big thing I was aiming for in my life. And um, I got to the point where I just had to scramble every 30 days to figure out how to make sure there's enough money in the bank account to pay rent to make sure we did not get evicted from our home. And I was talking to my friend Whitney, who had had an operation and had been running really, really high fever from an infection related to that operation. And I had just paid my rent, and Whitney, had her fever had just broken. And we decided together to decide for ourselves that our new standard of success was no fever, rent is paid.
2: Mm.
1: And that was and it yeah, I actually yeah. wrote it on a mm. note and put it mm. by my computer so that when I would catastrophize about what a failure I was, mm. I would go, well, I did manage to pay rent <laughs> this month, and I do not have a fever or heart active heart disease or whatever. And mm-hmm. I also understand that even that can be exclusionary because a lot of people can't pay their rent. Mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean, that they are failures. I think what it means is our standard of success is personal and Mm -hmm. lives at the intersection of our circumstances, the external forces beyond our control in our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times as people, we make the mistake of assuming more is under our control than actually is. And um, I think... Success is learning to accept those limitations where we must and find a way of being that is sustainable among those circumstances.
0: Hmm.
1: I told you it was really you good. Right. I knew immediately. You were right. That was, that was be a really good. So good. <laughs>
0: so
2: well, good. Amy and I
0: were chatting a little bit before, mm-hmm. and she gave a definition of success that I found really interesting.
2: Well, for me this year, success has been letting go of other people's expectations hmm. and also letting go of my perception of other people's expectations that don't actually exist. Hmm. <laughs> um, I So I have this new job, which I love. But then when I try to explain <laughs> it to people, they're like, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, I answer emails and I make I schedule meetings and I project. And the more I explain it, the more I'm like, this doesn't sound like something that makes the general public excited mm-hmm. and I had to let that go because in the moment I thought gosh my dream job feels like there's something wrong with me because I love repetitive mundane tasks and so my version of success was letting go the, of the need to do something super cool um, to impress people and also to let go mm. of the fact that people don't like they don't actually care and I don't mean that in a mean way but (laughs) they're not like oh she's does project management boo that doesn't you know that never happens that's all in my head so that's that's sort of been my journey of recognizing success this year Hmm.
0: such a good answer uh I thought of one uh I can my nature is to be pretty serious and pretty sensitive gal Um, and I can tend to be pretty serious, had a lot of trauma in my life. And I had a friend a couple of years ago who introduced, this is going to sound so sad, but she introduced the concept of fun as like a thing to pursue. And Mm -hmm. she told me that whole year, all the time, your number one job is fun to have fun. Um, and so that's obviously been like, I, sorry, I should back up and say, I had a lot of fun in those years. I felt like I really achieved having fun, which was big for my personality. Uh, and then obviously this year in the pandemic, it, is not, it has been no not <sighs> fun, very much fun. Uh, but on Saturday, I made it a point to get together with some fellow vaccinated girlfriends. Uh, and we brunched and talked and laughed and scream laughed. And we just had fun. And I felt Mm -hmm. like it was like such a success because it's just been a really hard year. And even on my way there, I was like, gosh, this is, how am I going to do this? Like, I don't, I have, I hardly have the emotional reserve to do this. But by the time Mm -hmm. I left, I was like, I was just overjoyed and my heart felt full and I felt truly joyful. And obviously that's sort of like the point of having fun, right? Is to like foster Mm -hmm. joy. Um, And it worked. And so that was a success for me this week.
1: (sighs) I've noticed so many of my friends, it's hard for them to gear up to do things they loved in the before times (sighs) because there's been so Mm -hmm. much trauma, Mm -hmm. so much stress Mm -hmm. for so long. And even here in the United States where we have the very good fortune to have ample vaccine supply... And uh, high rates of, of of vaccination that allow us to do things we haven't been able to do in a long time. Uh, it's still hard. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just want you to know, Victory, how successful you sound to me. That you overcame that resistance and were able to partake in something that you enjoy so much. Being with friends. You know, I've, as long as I've known you. You have been a uh, uh, a social being. Mm-hmm. Victory likes traditionally being around people, talking to it people. Uh, we're a little different in our social temperaments. I might be slightly more withdrawn than Victory. And I've noticed that for many people like me who are very introverted and very withdrawn, back to normal after the pandemic is much easier because... <laughs> <laughs> overcoming withdrawal to be with people is not a new skill for me.
2: (laughs)
0: Right. That's such a good point. But for a lot Uh, of people, they're
1: like, oh, well, this is new. I'm, you know, I'm like dreading going out the door. I'm like, what are you talking about? I've dreaded going out the door since I was two. So. (laughs) Anyway. I'm being silly. But I I will say, like, y'all, I I, I adore victory. And uh, when I saw, you know, the gal pal Bunch picture on Instagram. I was so moved. I got tears in my eyes because I was so happy for victory. And I knew that that uh, represented such a, a wonderful momentum for it's her. That's true. Her he
0: literally sent me a message and he was like, I just saw your picture on Instagram and I'm so happy that you got oh. to do that. And it was just, yeah, it was good.
1: And I, I don't send messages. <laughs> <No>. So that's,
2: <laughs> I was like, Saturday, what? <laughs> yeah. Vicky, I do I do have to say people are resonating with your comment Elaine um, in the comment said my spiritual director asked me what I do for fun <laughs> I said huh
0: <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> exactly I know it's play I mean Mike talks a lot yeah. about play but it is play and if you're in a serious mode or if you're having a rough time for some reason it's really hard to shift into that gear and make it something to pursue, Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but I think it's a Mm -hmm. worthy pursuit. Mm -hmm. I get you, Elaine. (laughs) Well, we've got a lot of other questions about success. Should we dive in? Let's do it. All right. Uh, On Instagram, Jacob N. Pearson asks, do you think the definition of success is subjective?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I was trying to imagine, like how there could be an objective measure of success. I literally I cannot fathom even a single objective marker for success. Success is something we make, and I've noticed that, um, boy, I wish you know we're doing I got I, I had a little resistance to doing a success episode because I know so little evidence-based research-backed insights about success Mm -hmm. you're really making me lean into my like personal experiences this episode which as you know it's not my favorite lane to run in um but i've noticed in my observation of life as a person so everything i'm saying here is anecdote Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who are successful quotes And unhappy. Mm. And then there are successful people who are happy. Um, And what is the difference? Mm. It is what locus of focus their success arises from. People who pursued success as defined by others tend to be unhappy in my experience. Mm. So they... um, followed social scripting. And they were told that, well, um, if I climb the corporate ladder and I get to a high station in a company and I make lots of income, then I will be happy. And I know some extraordinarily unhappy, powerful people in corporations with lots of money, including like literally, I've known billionaires who were miserable.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And there are people who are told, if I get married and raise a family, I will be happy and I will be successful. And then they do those things, and they feel very—even if they had some, some fulfillment in parenting, they don't have a sense of identity or a sense of satisfaction or contentment. And there's some people, especially modern women, are told, if you do both of those things simultaneously— <laughs> Uh, then you will be successful and you'll be happy. And then, you know, modern women ascend the corporate ladder and raise families and they just feel exhausted. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing they feel. Whereas people who have pursued success from an internal point, a success as they define it, I've noticed, can be extremely happy, contented, and satisfied people. And uh, I speak with some experience here. The more I've learned to focus and here it's very hard for me to hear my inside voice of what I want. I mean, everyone on this program can testify to you how difficult it is for me to hear my inner true voice a lot. Mm. I have to be like, well, I don't know. What do you think (laughs) I should do? Uh, But when I do find that and I do lean into those things, those are the times that I am the happiest and therefore the most successful. I've never been a New York Times bestseller. Um, But when I get a card or a letter in my mailbox where someone tells me they faced a period of suffering or difficult transition in their life, And something I said on a podcast that had nine downloads made a difference to them. Well, gosh, that feels successful to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it speaks so much to what Amy was saying just a bit ago about redefining success for herself and not how other people Mm -hmm. define it. And it seems like every time we're able to do that, if we get really underneath the surface... It doesn't usually have much mm. to do with money or power or influence. It has to do with mm-hmm. little things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is not to say that like money is nothing. Like no. we don't want to minimize. We love money. Ever the, <laughs> well, we don't want to minimize the fact that it, without a bare minimum of money, yes. like survival is difficult. Absolutely, Right? Yes. So, yes, you know, I, anyway.
0: But I feel like success is, it's such a weird word. Success means you're happy or success means you're joyful or like the word success seems like it's, the definition is actually money, power, fame or influence, Mm. but that's. Like, who that doesn't actually make anybody happy, really. Mm -hmm. It's all of the things that the money buys or all the things that the power, whatever it is. Anyways, success is a really weird word.
1: I have not looked yet, but I would imagine in the dictionary, there is one definition which is um, uh, achievement over Mm -hmm. time. And there's another definition that is the accomplishment of an objective. Hmm. Uh, and now I'm going to look at the. That was now I'm going to look it up and see how see close if the I computer was. Computer was right. And definition of success. <clears throat> One, uh, degree or measure of succeeding, as in over time. B favorable or desired outcome. Hmm. Also, the attainment of wealth, favor, or eminence.
2: They cheated and used the word in the definition. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, they're not. Supposed I noticed to do that. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, it's Merriam-Webster, not uh, the Oxford. That
2: definition. is not a successful definition, in my mind. <laughs> so I guess it comes to the question of how do we redefine success? Also,
1: I want to apologize for throwing so much shade on Merriam-Webster <laughs> Wes- Merriam- <laughs> right now. That was some. That was some. Uh, you just saw my inner critical nice. author. I apologize. We're sorry,
2: Merriam. I'm going to throw up a, show a comment. Um, Stephanie Tate, most of those constructs of success are super steeped in ableism anyways. Mm -hmm. So true. Indeed. Yes.
1: Thank you, Stephanie. This is true.
0: Uh, We're going to go to our next question now. Um, On Instagram, this is a really, really good question. A journal of a dreamer at journal of a dreamer asks, what does success teach you that failure can't? I think this is just very tricky.
1: What a great screen name. Yes. A journal, journal of, a of a dreamer. dreamer. Wow. Um, what can success teach you that failure can't? Can success teach you anything? It's tricky.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Tricky.
1: I don't think I've ever learned anything from success, ever. That's why success so often leads to great failure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's that success doesn't give you that deep fulfillment. That's the lesson. Every single time I've achieved a success that I've dreamed about, I'm like, if I can just do this, then you get Mm. there and you're like, oh, I still feel the same. Personally, for me.
2: Yeah. I had a therapist tell me once I was in this musical, which I never should have been in. I should not sing ever, (laughs) but I was so anxious about it. And in a therapy session, my therapist said, I kind of don't take this the wrong way, but I would love for you to just fail Mm -hmm. and then realize that the world is fine. Nothing imploded. You're okay. And it's something that that's where I think it's easier to learn through the failures than through the, the successes.
1: Hmm. this might be a neurodivergent thing I have found success to be really satisfying every time I've achieved mm. it um, I never get tired of picking up the hardback of finding God in the waves I still have the, the first one I pulled out of the box the first time I held a book like a published book that I wrote, I mean, gosh, that was a good feeling. Oh, wow, what a profoundly Mm. good feeling. Mm. I remember the first time I walked out on stage for a sold-out audience. And there's a certain energy in a room where every seat has been sold. You can hear it in the crowd before you walk out. There's like a buzz and there's a, Different buzz in a sellout room than there is in a 90% sold room. Mm. I also remember the first time I walked into a room where someone had bought a ticket. Now, that was about a 15% sale of the room, but I could not believe someone had bought a ticket to come to a room where I was going to talk. And those things were all so gratifying and so wonderful and they felt so much better than failing they really did all those things i just shared they felt better than failing at the time and i knew mm. it and i savor it and i knew to savor it because i fail so much <laughs> more often than i succeed mm. you know um I, I adore my first book uh, it has helped so many people and I wrote a second book called Your Miracle and a Pain in the Ass. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever done. This is just everything I have to, to say about learning to love yourself. And I think I've done it well. And I've told the story beautifully. And um, boy, I just can't wait to watch this one outsell every book ever written. I mean not really but I expected it to do really well and we had a pandemic which was a bit of an extenuating circumstance. Um but even like graded for the pandemic it was a it was a big drop off from my first book just a, a tremendous mm. drop off in terms of the number of people who got that book. And um that was a hard failure mm. for me. And I had to learn a lot about myself through that process. And even though I'd done a bunch of work on, you know, codependency and um, the ways in which I relate to audiences in unhealthy ways. There's ways I relate to audiences in very, very healthy ways, but there are also unhealthy ways. And I thought I'd done that work, but it took like... In my mind, the flop of the book, and I'm, I don't know if my publisher would agree that it's a flop or not, but I've thought of it as a flop. Um, it took that failure, that perception of failure, for me to really face how I do what I do and why mm-hmm. I do it and to realize that even often when i thought I was coming from my most sincere and genuine place I was still performing Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean I was performing for approval or applause but I was performing and the reason I was performing is because I'm obsessed with social impact I'm obsessed with transforming the world into something better than it is and that is a fine and laudable thing don't hear me shaming myself but performance is costlier than being. Mm-hmm. Because when I place my sense of worth and how well a book does, because how well the book does, is a proxy for how effective I am at transforming society, that can only lead to a self-imposed psychological annihilation that I don't deserve. Mm-hmm. And so that failure led to the fact that, oh, it's so fun. There's a paperback of the book that came out like last week. And I did not obsessively build a marketing campaign. And I have not obsessively tracked sales metrics. And I just kind of took the book out of the box and said thank you to the universe. And uh, kept trying to be me. And if if people are listening and they're like, you know, Mike, you, you sound differently than you did early in Ask Science Mike or early in the Liturgist podcast, if you've been around to even know what those things are, what you are hearing over time is failure teaching me to perform less Mm -hmm. and to be more. And what I learned from the successes was to perform more and to be less.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, thank you, Mike. It is time to keep the lights on.
1: We got some great partners that bring the Cozy Robot Show to you every week. And I'd like to tell you about three of them tonight. The first is our friends over at NordPass. I don't know if you've been reading about all these hacks happening all the time. It's because the Internet's full of bad actors. There's people who want to take your data and use it to nefarious ends. NordPass is a password manager that can help you secure your identity online. Here's the deal, and I know it. I know it. You make up your passwords. You think you're clever. You come up with a word, and you put in some special symbol instead of a vowel, and you put some numbers in there, and then you reuse that password over and over. But this time, it's okay. You put plus on the end, or one, or one, two, three, and you're secure, right? The fact is passwords that are easy for you to remember are also easy for computers to crack, and a password manager helps you create secure passwords that will keep you safer online. It means you can create a password unique to each service without having to remember it. So Nord Pass will allow you to store all your passwords in one place. You can organize your logins and private notes in a secure vault that is encrypted with the highest levels of encryption and protected by one master password. You remember that password and no more Also makes it easy to shop online with ease because you can also store your credit card in that same encrypted vault. Also, sometimes we have to share passwords to see services we share with other people like Netflix for our family members, and this lets you share passwords securely instead of over means that could be compromised. It can scan for data breaches by letting you know when a service that you use has been impacted by a breach and prompt you to change your password. It'll even tell you the health of your password, how secure it is, how long you've been using it, et cetera. It's a wonderful product. I've used it myself. It's a great password manager, and I have a particular passion for password managers. So um, you can trust my recommendation there. So special offer just for the Cozy Robots. Spring forward into better security, and you can get 70% off NordPass at nordpass.com slash cozy. That's nordpass.com slash cozy, or use offer code COZY when you sign up, and you'll also get an additional month for free. We'd also like to tell you about our friends over at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a wonderful online counseling service that both me and members of my family use to get better better access to mental health each and every day. Over a million people have started taking charge of their mental health by using BetterHelp, and it's an online counseling service. That means you get counseling services with a licensed professional using text, chat, calls, and video calls, which means in this era of social distancing, you don't have to worry about it. But hey, if you're vaxxed and ready to go, No big deal because BetterHelp is still wonderful because you don't have to go find a parking spot. You don't have to figure out who your therapist is going to be because BetterHelp finds a therapist for you with expertise in areas like anxiety, relationships, stress, depression, trauma, anger management, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, whatever challenges you face. BetterHelp can help you today. So, Any Cozy Robots can go to BetterHelp.com slash Cozy Robots to get 10% off their first month service. Why not start today? Go fill out the questionnaire and get connected with a therapist you're going to love. We'd also like to tell you this week about NordVPN. Now, what is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. I used to work in IT security. Uh, For most of my career, actually, I did IT security longer than I have been an author podcaster. And a VPN is a a layer of... Uh, protection around your internet connection. It can protect you from trackers and crackers and hackers. All three of those come up against an encrypted brick wall around your internet connection that also makes it impossible for your local ISP to tell where you are. And that gives you a lot of benefits. So for example, if you'd like to view regionally locked content, so if you want to watch a show in the UK but you're in the US or you're in the US and want to watch a show only available in the UK, that's okay. Just change your point of origin. Use a VPN. A nice little side effect that comes from the technology that fundamentally protects your internet connection. When you're traveling, we're starting to travel again, you're in a public airport or coffee shop, and you've got your laptop or your phone, no big deal. NordVPN is there to protect you as well on that public Wi-Fi so that someone else in that area can't snoop on what you're doing or capture your data. NordVPN is a great product because they do absolutely no data logging, and they offer 24-7 customer support, unlimited bandwidth, and are compatible with all the major operating systems out there like Windows, macOS, Linux, iOS, and Android. So, as a special offer, NordVPN is giving away a gift for their own birthday. Every purchase of a two-year plan will get you an additional month free plus a surprise gift. So learn more by going to NordVPN.com slash Cozy Robots. That's NordVPN.com slash Cozy Robots and use offer code Cozy Robots.
0: We're jumping right into another question. On the private discord, Leash asks, is there more pressure to be exceptional to live our best lives than ever before? How can I change my thinking to enjoy the mundane moments to be ordinary and okay with it, to be content where I am now instead of always looking at where I hope to be or comparing myself to where others are.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That is interesting. There's been this like kind of movement, I think predicated by the Internet. Because the Internet caused um, traditional gatekeepers to lose power and influence. So the kind of people used to decide who got to be an author and who did not, who got to be a recording artist and who did not. Who got to make a film or television product and who did not? That used to be a tightly held thing. Mm -hmm. And the Internet allowed people to make stuff and release it directly to audiences. And then some companies came in and and specialized in that work. So if you make uh, video content, YouTube's algorithms were the new gatekeeper. And if you tuned for the algorithms, you could find an audience without getting any gatekeeper to sign off on it. And I noticed that around the time that started happening, a lot of creators shifted from creating to having platforms based on telling other people that (laughs) they could do whatever they wanted. If you want to write a book, you can write a book. If you want to be a speaker, you can be a speaker. Everyone can do everything. Um, That's technically true. It's It's technically true. Um. But the, our economy won't actually support, you know, if 100 million people all want to be professional speakers. Mm-hmm. There's still only so many people who are going to speak for a living. There's still only so many people who are going to write for a living. Only so many people are going to make music for a living. And so this kind of like capitalist whiteness empower economy is pretty problematic Because it tells everybody that the difference between you and mega successful public icon is just like effort. Mm -hmm. And that's a lie. Mm -hmm. I am very fortunate. I write and make media for a living. And it's not because I am smarter or harder working than other people. It's because I did a lot of work and got lucky. <laughs> That's it. Like, if you don't, if you don't do a bunch of work, you're you're not gonna get lucky. Like there you have to put in the work. Yep. But I got lucky. I was in the right place at the right time three hundred times in a row to do the thing I do now. And I feel so grateful. For it. Oh my gosh. But I'm under no illusion that's because I'm smarter or harder working than someone else. Um I actually I know for sure that I'm not. Um I like gardening a lot. And we have gardeners. And when I go try to duplicate the work that my gardeners do. Uh, <laughs> it does not go well, and this I, I, I make sincere effort. I will watch the, what they do, and uh, and they they just have such efficiency, not only uh, in in their dexterity, but when they look across the garden at knowing what an action in each piece will coalesce together mm. into an aesthetic whole, right? And what I've noticed in life is I'm fascinated with the act of doing and being that people engage in all the time. I don't just mean my gardener. I mean, when you sit back and look at your life, every person, every person. The level of cooperation it took to facilitate our daily experience is staggering. I mean, it is truly mind-blowing. Wherever you are right now, whether you are watching or you are listening, do me a favor. Notice the things around you and on you probably have clothes on i'm sure there's a couple shower listeners happening so don't worry you at least have some soap and some running water right there are throughout your day a myriad of objects and there's food and there's all these things that come together and i think we need to knock over the whiteness capitalist empowerment economy and replace it with another And that is the economy of our aggregate. Success is participating in the act of the flourishing of life, including your own. If you've only focused on the flourishing of other life or the flourishing of your own life, then you have missed it and you will find neither. But the intersection of those things leaves a lot of room for different ways of being. It leaves a lot of room for different abilities and disabilities. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: When our measure of success is the flourishing of all, Mm -hmm. we get less obsessed over who has what numbers in their bank accounts and who has what square footage in their homes and what sizes of what lots. And we get more focused on the quality of each person's life and living. Mm -hmm. I've gotten to the point with that measure of success that, number one, some things are more beautiful than they've ever been. Time with friends. Getting to know a person who's unlike me. Getting to know a person whose life experience is unlike the life experience of anyone I've ever met. Those are moments of profound satisfaction. But it introduces new moments of dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction when I recycle an electronic device and don't know where it's going. When I put on a pair of socks and don't know the living condition of the hands that went into making them. I think so many of the problems we face in our world from climate change to injustice in the criminal justice system to international conflicts to houselessness and food scarcity. All of those come from that live your best life economy and what came before it. Mm -hmm. And I believe from the deepest and most sincere places in my being that there is a better way of being. And we can learn from those people and those cultures that have already been focused on the flourishing of everyone. You know, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated when he expanded his extraordinary work on racial justice into a campaign for all poor people Mm. because people got really nervous when poor and marginalized people started working together and realizing how much they had in common. And every person I know who does really important social transformation work and comes from a whole place of mental health without an exception, they all know how to delight and savor those simple moments alluded to in the question. Mm -hmm. So I think even the act of phrasing and asking that question tells me you are already attaining great wisdom about success.
0: Well, that is very true because out of that question your answers sort of addressed the next two questions on our list. Sorry. No, <laughs> that is a compliment to leash because, uh, he's just said as a person of great wisdom. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, I'm just going to read these two questions and Mike, if you have anything else you want to add to what you just said, please do. Um, but I do feel like a lot that you said address these two, but I just want to acknowledge that these two questions were asked. Um, On Instagram, Biscuit and Banjos, which we love that name. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What is the difference between white success and white privilege? And then, uh, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this. Wait, let's stop on that one. Let's stop on that one. I feel like they dovetail, but yes, let's stop.
1: White success and white privilege are different concepts, and I didn't cover that in the last answer. We did talk about white success, so check. But that doesn't tell us anything meaningful about white privilege, and this is really important, especially talking about success and failure, because so much conflict and anger and strife comes up over the notion of white privilege. It's related to another idea. People who talk about white privilege are often accused by white people, including progressive white people, and liberal-leaning white people, of being progressive fundamentalists, meaning uh, judgmental, exclusionary, whatever. When we talk about white privilege, we are not saying white people don't face challenges. Ever, no one is saying this, not what? I have not found one person who's saying white people don't face challenges. I am white. I have faced tremendous challenges as a bullied person, as a disabled person, as a sexual assault survivor, and no one says that white privilege undoes those challenges in my life. I know that. <laughs> I come, from a very poor white family now I did not grow up poor but my dad did and my dad worked incredibly hard to get out of poverty and and raise me and my sister middle class and he worked incredibly hard to do so and I would not take away for one moment the work that my dad did to lift our family out of poverty he should be proud and my dad and I have both experienced white privilege at every moment of our lives. And you might say, but how? Because aren't there black men your dad's age who lifted their families out of poverty? Absolutely they are, there are. And the, the, the fact that both of those stories exist creates so much confusion. White privilege is the fact that if I put my name Michael on a job application and another person my age puts their name Deshaun on an application, we have the data that tells us unequivocally that one of us is already in a different level of consideration for that mm-hmm. job, even if I was less qualified. Mm-hmm. White privilege is what happens when you start shopping for a home, the houses that your real estate agent shows you, and whether or not the banks will approve you. It means the aggregate of all these tiny little advantages means statistically you are wildly more likely to succeed with the same level of effort and qualifications if you are white than if you are black or Hispanic, or Latinx, or in some cases, Asian American. That's white privilege. So, white success serves white privilege. Why? White success allows some people of color to attain white success to try to disprove the notion that there's any level of rigging in the game. But there is rigging in the game. And that rigging is White privilege. Well, that's one form of rigging. Another form of rigging is patriarchy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, patriarchy is the simple notion uh, best described in my experience of the degree of difficulty I facing face selling a book than a woman of the same level of experience would. Mm-hmm. There is uh, heterosexism, meaning if you have a different sexual orientation or gender identity than straight or man or woman, you start to face disadvantages. Ableism means that if people think, uh, perceive you as disabled, they want to less likely to hire you because they don't want to create accommodations for you that could be expensive. And they don't want to have to deal with giving you access to a facility as a customer because you'll never buy enough milk to pay for the ramp. Mm that's ableism so there's all these little things that create a headwind all that operate under the banner of white supremacy that white success's job is to market that those things don't exist and if you just behave and comply enough in the system and you're a good consumer then you'll be rewarded and if not you're probably just too lazy so i uh I apologize for pausing you, Victor, before you went on to this next question. But I actually think white privilege is a great follow-up to talking about whole flourishing mm-hmm. for humanity.
0: I'm so glad you paused me,
1: and I uh, can't wait to see the uh, <laughs> comments from other white people and especially white men on social media this week <laughs> in to that answer. So,
2: <laughs> well,
0: to follow that up, uh, at Michael or Michaela, not sure. Atencio, forgive me if I've mispronounced it, on Instagram asks, how can we as a society move from an individualist view of success to a communal one?
1: Hmm. That is a very hard question. I mean, I think you're, um, that is the work I'm trying to do with both my life and my work. I'm trying to learn how to do that as an individual. At the same time, I reorient everything I do professionally and personally to support that goal. I might not be far enough down that road to give a good answer. So I'll tell you what I'm doing. So if you wanna join me on this journey, you can. I am elevating and centering and paying attention to the people and perspectives who already know this. I, I, can't, I can't talk about this without talking about white supremacy as a system. Framing success in an individualized basis is designed to make us isolated and alienated. Like our envy for other people doing better than us keeps us from supporting each other openly and receiving support as well. The, The rat race is, it makes us compliant in the system. It makes us unable to speak the truths of how many people make it to retirement with hundreds of thousands of dollars in a retirement account. And it they don't get very far into spending it before they die by suicide.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's That's an epidemic in our country. Out of necessity for survival black americans and native and indigenous indigenous americans have had to live more communally
2: mm-hmm.
1: and when you look at who's the happiest in the world according to sociologists you find that cultures in central and south america are the happiest people in the world because they have a communal orientation mm-hmm. Their their goals in life are not white picket fences and space from everyone else. And so what I've been doing in my life these last few years is learning from those people. Some of those people do advocacy work and they, they do work for free that you can follow. Some of them write books and teach classes where you can buy a book or pay a fee to join in classes. And I do a lot of those classes in my free time. Um, and you can learn and you can grow and you can change and you can do so much therapy and learn to face those feelings of comparison with others, fear of failure. Imposter syndrome, all those things ingrained into us by a system meant to de- dehumanize everyone so that no one will notice that a small number of people are keeping all the resources. Mm. Forgive me for sounding like a radical on a podcast on hosted <laughs> <laughs> on Apple Podcast by the richest company <laughs> of all time. The the irony is not lost mm. on me, but that's what we're talking about. To live communally. We have to dismantle white supremacy. And people hear that and they, their chests get tight and they get upset and they don't. Well, why? Not, why does that man keep saying white supremacy? It makes me feel so uncomfortable. I'm white. I don't want to be white. I don't want to be the bad person. I don't want to be the enemy. And you're not. When someone says white supremacy is bad. They're not saying you, a white person, are bad. Mm -hmm. They are saying the dehumanizing system that is destroying Mm -hmm. your mental health is destroying their physical life.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: And when we tear that stuff down, we can start to imagine a world in which we live in ways that support each other Without depleting the resources the planet we live on has to allow human life to sustain itself. I got super <laughs> ranting there. I apologize.
2: It was so good. Yeah. The question
0: merited a rant. Mm-hmm. It did. Thank you, Mike. Mm-hmm. That wraps up the Cozy Robot Show for this evening. Man.
1: <laughs> landed heavy, <laughs> everybody well uh over there in the chat all y'all thanks for joining mm. us for the live version of the program it is so much fun to make this show with you every week if you're listening after the fact on uh, apple podcast know that you can join us anytime, any monday actually uh at 5 p.m pacific 8 p.m eastern by going to cozyrobots.com slash watch and also remember that the Cozy Robot Show is brought to you by the most talented and supportive team in the entire world. And I mean it. So I'd like to thank each and every Cozy Robot. I'll see you on Discord in about 15 minutes for the after party. If you'd like to learn how to join us there, go to CozyRobots.com. Our show has been produced by Tanner Hearn, Victory Palmazano, and Greg Nordine. Music was recorded by Madison McCarg and Macy McCarg. Production support and co-host tonight... Amy Woo. Hill. Woohoo! Thank you, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Social media management by our dear friend, Grace Vaughn. Designed by Sydney Smith. Motion graphic design by Landon Satterfield. Set design by Jesse Lane. Interior wardrobe stylist and craft services, Jenny McCarg. Thanks so much for joining us. And we just can't wait to talk with you next week. Thanks, friends.
0: Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. The Cozy
2: Robot Show.